It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Faster my crazy day, my pack commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Locked On Vikings and the Locked On Podcast Network on a Thursday morning. My name's Sam Ekstrom, at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. We continue our tour through the NFC North by speaking to Locked On Packers host Bill Huber. Good morning, Bill. Hey, Sam. How you doing? Doing okay. Getting through this offseason. It seems like it's been about six months since the last football game was played. Only been two months. Still got a long ways to go. But uh, how are things going on your end with the, with the show and with your offseason grind? It's a grind. I, I, I'm a big draft guy, so, the, you know, the minute that, well, I should say the minute, but as soon as the season's over, I, I am full-time draft, so I, uh, I, lo- I love this time of year. I'm not sure if it's very podcast-worthy stuff. I know we have our, our own draft guys doing podcasts here with, with uh, uh, John Ledger over yeah. in, with Locked NFL Draft, but I love the draft, so I'm, I, I'm perfectly happy right now. Well, I'm happy to pick your brain here for a few minutes. Uh, before we get into the draft, the Packers picking 29th, let's backtrack a little bit and discuss Green Bay free agency. They were surprisingly active. You know, I, I think that people think of Green Bay as a team that typically doesn't do much in free agency, but with the amount of departures they had this year, they were forced to acquire a number of players, primarily a couple tight ends, Martellus Bennett and Lance Kendricks. But when you when you weigh out those that were acquired and those that were relinquished, uh, what do you think the tail of the tape is for Green Bay's free agency? Yeah, they're, they're a loser. Uh, I don't think there's any... Any arguing against that, they, they lose Pro Bowl guard T.J. Lang. Well, look, you're a championship contender. Now you've just created a hole that I mean, you could argue, you know, and Packer fans will, the Lions overpaid for, for T.J. Well, that's all well and good. But this is a championship contending team, and now you've created a hole that you didn't have to have. Um, you've got no replacement on the roster, so you have to go draft one. So that's a, that's a big loss. It's a net game with the two tight ends. Martellus Bennett's an upgrade over Jared Cook. Then you throw Lance Kendricks into the mix. You, you, you've gained there. Um, you, know, you lose Eddie Lacy. They've got Salisi, a bigger question mark at running back. The pass defense was god-awful anyway. You lose your, your best cover guy in Micah Hyde. So you're not better there. I, I can understand them not matching the Bills' $6 million a year contract. But mm-hmm. again, your defense stunk, and you, you just lost one of your best guys. And then Obviously, you guys signed Dayton Jones, and the Panthers signed Julius Peppers. Probably no great shakes from Green Bay's perspective. So I would say a net loss, a big, big draft coming up for the Packers. Why don't you give us an idea of what the Vikings will be getting with Dayton Jones? I think people here are pretty excited about it. It sounds like he has some flexibility to play all over the line. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, he came in here. I reread the story about a month ago, back when he got drafted, and he's – that's, he was not comparing himself to Reggie White, so don't misunderstand it. But he's talking about 
how he used to love Reggie White, and he, you know, likes the style of play after him, and, you know, Reggie was relentless, and he wanted to be relentless like that. And, you know, the, the guy was a bust. I mean, two years into his career here, I mean, he, was, he was drifted to be an every-down D lineman in their 3-4 scheme. That didn't work. So they moved him to outside linebacker, and he was fine at that. But if he was a good D-end, he would have played D-end. It seemed to me, you know, the move, the position switch was, well, crap, this isn't working. Let's try to salvage this somehow. Um, he's a pretty good pass rusher. He just doesn't finish. He had one sack last year. An interesting thing, he had one sack, but by the coach's count, he led the team in quarterback hits. So he put on a lot of pressure. He just is not a finisher, and I think if you look at his career sets, I think he has, what, nine, nine career sacks, nine and a half career sacks. It's kind of the story of his career. He's, he can make some things happen. He just can't seal the deal. I mean, there's nothing wrong with making things happen. I, I think there's something to be said for rushing the passer and maybe forcing a bad pass. But, you know, he's, he was a bust. I mean, he wasn't a god-awful player, and I, I've thought all along heading into free agency that he really should go find a team where he can be a 4-3 defensive end. That might suit him better. And it seems like that's the plan with the Vikings. So maybe it'll pan out, but I wouldn't hold my breath. Interesting. You know, it's comical because I've now talked to Matt Derry of Locked On Lions, and I asked him about Riley Reef, and he was pretty negative about Riley Reef. And now I talked to you about Jones, and it's a quick tamper on the excitement of the Vikings offseason when I talk to some of these other hosts. It's, it's quite interesting. I do like the way, the fashion they brought in Jones on a one-year deal. I don't think they overpaid. The Vikings are pretty set at defensive end with, with Everson Griffin, Brian Robison, Daniil Hunter. So not he provides depth without much responsibility at defensive end, and they can also move him inside if Sharif Floyd uh, doesn't pan out, if he doesn't get healthy for this season. So I think it's kind of a low-pressure signing for the Vikings. Maybe he can resurrect things here in Minnesota. But uh, let's go back through a couple of the guys that you acquired, uh, you, you get Bennett, you get you get Kendricks, you get Devon House. Um, a lot of one-year deals. You know, are, are these just a lot of prove-it deals? You think where the Packers are kind of filling holes and and maybe hoping to earnestly address these needs more so via the draft? Um, yes and no. You know, I, I'll, I'll go to Devon House. Um, House wanted a one-year deal because, in, in, you know, obviously, House played here in Green Bay. He goes to Jacksonville on a big contract in 2015. He was number three in the NFL in passes broken up. Had a great year. Um, they get a new defensive coordinator. They switch schemes. He basically sits 2016 on the bench. House is still a young guy. He wanted a one-year deal where if he plays the way he thinks he can play, he'll be a free agent in 12 months and make a bunch of money. That's his thinking. And You know, I, you know Green Bay lost Eddie Lacy to Seattle on the same thing. It's the same thing with Lacy. Lacy wants a one-year deal where you know, he was overweight in 2015. He was injured in 2016. Put out one good year. You're still a young guy. You got a chance to make some money. So I, I think these one-year deals, a lot of times, I think I think they're a win-win. You know, I'm sure if you're Dayton Jones, I think I think Dayton's probably thrilled with one year too. I mean, would you want four? Sure, but if you can't get four, you might as well get one if you prep that kind of season that you think you're capable of doing. Now you're still a young guy heading back into free agency. So I, I think in a lot of ways, it's if, if you're not one of these super top guys with the, with the huge contracts, I think you're just better off going one year and betting on yourself that you can be that guy the following offseason. Adrian Peterson rumors about uh, the Green Bay Packers maybe having a little bit of interest. Uh, what would be the feeling there if the Packers were to make that move? Yeah, the fans would not be happy. Of course, if the asterisk is, and you know the asterisk care, if the guy can play football, hardly anybody cares. Yeah. Um, 
his history will be brought up here, but it'll die off quickly. I mean, how many times can you write or put on TV that Adrian Peterson, you know, beat this kid with a switch? I mean, at some point the story gets old because everyone knows it. So would the Packers take a PR hit by signing him? Yeah, for a day or two. Then once the season starts, probably comes up again. But it's, I, I think the distraction stuff is probably overrated. I think the, if you're Green Bay, why would you sign him at this point? If he's going to get – I'll throw a $5 million a year. It's a totally random number. You can go draft a running back in a second round and pay a four-year contract worth $5 million, and you're getting 2,500 less carries, um, two fewer season-ending knee injuries. So if I'm Green Bay, and I'm assuming this is the feeling around the league, let's just wait and see what happens in the draft. If we get our guy, we're set. If we don't get our guy and we still feel crappy about a running back position, then we revisit it. So just my feeling is uh, he's going to sit and wait till after the draft. You know, Maybe New England makes sense because the Patriots don't have any draft picks to, to play with. But otherwise, if I'm a GM, I'm waiting and seeing. And if I can get my guy in the draft, I'm taking him. If not, I think it's probably worth re- revisiting. You know, you would know better than I do. I mean, can, can the guy play? I mean, he was, he was, his stats were awful last year, but A, it's a small sample size. B, the old line was terrible. C, at the time, there was such quarterback instability that he wore the pyroid bigger bullseye than usual. So can he play? The stats say no, but the sample size is so small that you kind of hate to make too much out of what, 1.9 yards per carry? I mean, you can almost kind of kind of write off last season, but but that being said, Peterson's a year older, and I think his weaknesses get more exposed as his, his ability to run the football declines. So in his previous career, he was so good at running the football that it masked his inability to catch the ball and to pass block. Now that he's no longer Superman, he's a little bit more ordinary at age 32, I think those issues get exacerbated a whole lot more. And that's why a guy like Danny Woodhead, who's the same age as Adrian Peterson, is out there getting $9 million, and Peterson's going to be lucky to get $4 million. He's in trouble. I think he's really in trouble, regardless of what he or his, his representation says. I think uh, once this draft gets through, and it is a deep, deep running back draft, there is not going to be much money to throw around to a running back, especially when teams are going to be plugging in their needs for a running back with younger, probably more multifaceted guys who are much cheaper. So I think he's in deep trouble to play. I think he's going to have to rely on on an injury of some kind. Uh, You know, he's going to be very poorly compensated compared to what he hoped to be compensated. And uh, I have no clue where he's going to end up, but I don't think it shapes up well for Peterson at all. If you're Green Bay, what you wonder is, okay, he, he had the bad line like you talked about. He ran up, he, and he's always running into loaded boxes. If he were to come here, or if he goes to New England, or one of those teams with a good quarterback, he would never face a loaded box. So does Adrian Peterson look more like Superman because he's running against six in the box rather than eight? And that's that's the million-dollar question that you know guys like Ted Thompson or, or Bill Belichick are have to figure out is, okay, he wasn't good last year on 37 carries. Would he be good here on 150 or 200 carries when everyone in the world is looking at Aaron Rodgers or, or they're looking at Tom Brady? That's the question, and I don't have I don't have any idea. Yeah, it'd be fun to watch for sure. Well, let's talk about this draft. Your bread and butter. Green Bay picks 29th. 
we in Minnesota have gotten very familiar with kind of the second round hierarchy because the Vikings don't pick until 48th. So we're targeting guys like Dan Feeney and Jabril Peppers and, and, you know, all sorts of guys that we hope drop in the second round. What are the Packers thinking about at 29? It's kind of, it's a weird spot in the draft, isn't it? Because, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in front of you. There's so many possibilities. You're not necessarily going to get the best player at any one position. What is Green Bay doing here? Well, that's a great question. You know, it's the, well, Green Bay is fortunate. It, it's a, such a it's a, such a great draft, and I'm telling you, and I'm not, and my exaggerating. I will say this: Joe Blow would be a great pick for the Packers at 29, and then I'll have 50 people on Twitter say, "Well, he's not going to be on the board." Well, I've said that about 40 guys already. It's you know, everybody says, "Well, he's not going to be on the board." Everybody I throw, well, he's not going to be there. Four slap, he's not going to be there. All these corners, he's not going to be there. This draft is so good. That there are going to be guys who are going to be there because it, I mean there are probably you know forty players I would say probably worthy of that pick and I'm, and I'm including the top of the draft guys who have no literally have no chance of yeah. being there but there are so many good players they're going to have they're going to be able to take a swing at the bat and fill a lot of positions whether it's edge rusher which they need after losing um, eight of rushers in that grade anyway but then you lose Dayton Jones and Peppers so you need to replenish that the pass defense is terrible. So you probably got to get a corner. Obviously, you lose T.J. Lang, so you got to get a guard. Um, I, don't, I don't think you go running back that early, but you got to get a running back. So I mean, they have a lot of needs, and I think the, the draft really matches up. Where it's a great edge rusher draft, it's a great cornerback draft. I'm not sure it's a great running back draft, but it's pretty darn good. Um, the, the guards, there's probably five, maybe. So you probably got to get one of those guys kind of early. So I think, I think most of the draft needs fit up nicely with supply and demand. The one question is that guard where I think you probably have to go get your guy pretty quick. There is more to me, Queen Eliara of Elfgard, than my elven magic. Just as there's more to Geico than saving you money, Geico also gives you 24-7 access to licensed agents online, on the phone, or on the Geico app. And while I am a mighty elf queen, I am also a mighty big fan of barbecue potato chips. Minions! More smoky mesquite. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. I think last year, one of the knocks on Green Bay, at least from the outside, was that they don't have enough offensive weapons, and that's why Aaron Rodgers struggled kind of early, mid mid part of the season. And I'm not sure they addressed a whole lot of that aside from the tight end position in free agency. Could you see this being more of an offensive heavy draft for Green Bay? No, the defense stinks, so that'll okay. be the problem there. You know, yeah, you know, even I said he didn't have enough weapons, but that was without Jared Cook. Cook missed games three through ten, three through nine, something like that. Once he came back, it changed everything because, I mean, he's a guy that defense has had to account for. So, he, yeah, he's gone, but Martellus Spence probably a better all-around player anyway. Then you had Lance Kendrick. So you're, now you're loaded at tight end. Um, you know, when, when the Packers played the Vikings early, Jordy Nelson wasn't himself. Well, then he be you know, he rounded into form. Um, Devontae Adams became a breakout star. I mean, all of a sudden, they had a lot of weapons. So I, I think they'll be fine there. You've got to get a running back. You've got to get a guard. But otherwise, I mean, you've got, you probably got to get two corners, a couple pass rushers. You know, if you, can, if you can get an inside linebacker who can run a bit, that's probably a need as well. So this is defense, defense, defense. Look, they got to the championship game last year. By halftime, the Belkins had 300 yards. I think there's your problem. 
It sounds like you're talking secondary quite a bit for the Packers. Uh, give me a couple names of guys that you would like to see drop to 29 if they're going to go cornerback or maybe safety in the first round. Yeah, the, it's you know the, the the thing with Green Bay is they drafted two corners in 2015. Uh, Quinton Rounds, I mean Demarius Randall in the first round, Quinton Rounds in the second round. Those guys showed some promise as rookies. They were just terrible last year, and, and but they were also hurt. So what the Packers have to figure out is. Were those guys bad because they're bad, or are they bad because they're hurt? If they were bad because they were hurt, maybe it's not this pressing need. You've already you've already signed Devon House to upgrade one thing. Maybe it's not as big as need as people like me think it is. Um, if it is a big need, oh man, there are so many corners. You know, there's uh, Chidoboy Awuzie from Colorado, who's a more of a slot guy, but he can play safety. He can play outside. He plays some even plays some linebacker. Colorado. He's a Seems like a terrific fit. Um, Tredavious White from LSU can probably do both. Um, Cordrea Tankersley from Clemson is a big physical guy. Um, God, the kid from Washington who who got hurt. Uh, Jones? Jones, yeah. You wonder, if you're Green Bay, you got to the championship game with a bad pass defense, do you take a swing at the bat at maybe the best corner in this draft, thinking... You know what? Maybe he's ready in week 12 or week 14 for a playoff push. I and mean, we got this far with bad corners to begin with. Maybe these guys that we had last year aren't quite so bad. And now this guy, Jones, is ready for the late season push. To me, if he's there, I would take him. I'm going to take a, take a home run guy. And you know what? If he doesn't play much at all as a rookie, who cares? Because he's so damn good. So I, I think that's an interesting call there. Um, I'm, I'm probably missing a half a dozen guys. This is a great corner draft, and this is one of those things where, where I was talking about. You throw a quarter saying, well, he's not going to be there at 29. Well, all the fans say this guy's not going to be there at 29, so maybe they will be. It's a really, really good draft. And then there's that other that other Washington corner, Kevin King, who won like all the speed drills at the Combine. He's pretty good, too. He's yeah, six foot three. Green Bay's never had a 6'3 corner. Now, is that because they don't like 6'3 corners or just the way it's worked out? That's a... You know, Green Bay by and large has taken five eleven and six foot guys over the years. So I, again, is it just that there hasn't been a six three guy worth taking? And which very well could be. There's not many six three corners. And then the the elephant in the room, I mean, not the elephant in the room, but the the wild card here is Richard Sherman. You know, you 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 heard the comments from um, GM John Schneider on Tuesday, where basically he admitted. Um, they were listening to offers for Richard Sherman. Now, would the would the Seahawks trade him? Probably not, he said, but maybe. Is it is it worth for both parties? Is Richard Sherman for the 29th pick makes sense for both sides? Is uh, you know he makes Sherman makes a ton of money, so maybe maybe that works against it. But he's probably better than any corner in this draft, at least for the next two or three years. And again, if you're a championship contender like Green Bay, is it worth taking a swing at the bat for a guy? Maybe he's an elite player for two or three years, and you're going to bypass a guy who's going to be really good for six years. But I think Richard Sherman is an interesting name to remember. With Jones going to Minnesota and Latroy Guyon suspended for four games, is is tackle, defensive tackle, a need for Green Bay as well? I don't think so. They signed Ricky Jean Francois. So for four games, you feel okay. You've got Mike Daniels, last year's first-round pick, Kenny Clark, who really came on strong at the end. Yes. Dean Lowry, a fourth-round pick who came on strong late in the year, then Gene Francois. So you got four. After the fourth game, you got Guyon back for five. And it's a 3-4 team. You, you really don't need five guys anyway. 
So I, I think they're probably pretty good. And you got some young guys who played a bit last year with Christian Ringo and uh, Brian Price. So you're probably okay, but you, you never overlook a guy in the draft. But I don't think it's much more than a fifth, sixth round, seventh round kind of conversation. Last one, you know, it seems like, and as we've discussed here, there's so much talent at the top end of this draft that if you really like a guy, you might be compelled to trade up and make sure he doesn't get sniped right in front of you. Is Ted Thompson the type of guy who might trade up to 26 or trade up to 24 if he needs to? Yes and no. I mean, he's, he's got history of trading up. I mean, he mostly trades back, but there's some history of trading up. But the draft's so deep, it's hard for me to think that you know, the, the 24th pick's on the clock, and he's going to say, man, this is the corner we want. We have to get this guy when there's other guys in the draft that are probably pretty good. So I would I would say no, but in a deep draft where a lot of teams probably would like to trade back, the price of trading up is probably not going to be that great. So you probably don't overrule anything. I would probably say no for trading up. His name is Bill Huber. He's the host of Locked On Packers on Twitter, at Packer Report, and you can listen to his podcast for all the Green Bay intel. Find out what the green and gold are doing in the NFL draft. Thanks for your insights, Bill, and I imagine I'll be on your show here pretty soon. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Sam. Have a great day. You too. This is Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. We'll talk to you tomorrow with Sage Rosenfels. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners, this is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Locked On Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Locked On Wild to your device every day.